Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Aries, did you know all of our social media can be found on Spearsburg Pod now? What? Yeah. Spearsburg Pod, where you can get it on Twitter, Facebook. uh, Patreon? Yes, uh, uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. I, I believe YouTube, and MySpace even. Whoa! Can you believe that shit? Yes, I can. Find us, guys. Please. Please. What it do, baby? What's going on, man? Hey, uh, this is going to be a smorgasbord of topics. Because um, Andy and I have been watching some things, and we're going to collaborate. Uh, first of all, uh, let me give a big uh, fingers crossed uh, to DMX. Uh, prayers up to DMX. You heard about this? No. Odeed. No. Uh, and is in critical condition. They say in a vegetative state with his brain. Um, happened last night at 11 p.m. Uh, at his house and was rushed to a White Plains hospital where he is in critical condition. Uh, so, love you, dog. Get right. Uh-huh. <clears throat> what a way to start the podcast off. Yeah, but what the fuck you gonna do? It's news, nigga. Yeah, I know. All right. It's a week late, though, now when people are listening to this. Yeah. Uh, uh, hopefully everything's all right. Uh, get off them drugs, brother. Um, you know, he, he was in Arizona for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, um, when he had his own reality show at one point, I think it was while he was in Arizona. Yeah. He had a Because they showed him riding those four-wheelers, yeah, he, which he loved to do. Um, he used to ride with a motorcycle group, though, too, just street yeah. bikes. And, um, but he had, he had problems with Joe Arpaio. The, who? the sheriff out there. The sheriff couldn't stand him. Sheriff out there, and sheriff is. If you know anything about Joe, Joe Pyle, it's, it's not a big deal, but and it's probably not even worth getting into. But dude, Joe Pyle, as much as he hated people, <laughs> was a huge dog lover. He he he. Damn him, damn Max should have got along just fine. Uh, he hated. Was he a him. racist guy? Was he fucked up? He Joe was. Uh, you know he. 
definitely had supporters that were uh, on the racist side. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, that's why they didn't like that nigga, you know what I mean? This motherfucker was racist. He liked the dogs, but he just didn't like the black ones. He liked the white ones, but he wouldn't feed the black ones. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, dude, what's with this riff with Kevin Durant and Michael Raps? I thought that was fake. I See, I thought it was fake, too. Matter of fact, when, it, when Neri first sent it to me, and then when I saw it on Instagram, Tracy McGrady sent out a thing on the post and went, this is fake, y'all, because he thought it was fake. I thought it was fake. And then a bunch of people was like, T-Mac, it's real, baby. You need to get your facts straight. I, and, and apparently, um, uh, Kevin Durant was fined 50000 by the NBA, which you, I kind of saw coming because they give a shit about their clean image and their brand and some of the shit KD was saying, um, you know, uh, got raw. Um, and, you know, this goes to my point when I've said this. No matter how much, and I'm sure there may be a small percentage here and there that actually mean it and follow through, but no matter how much athletes and entertainers tell you, we don't fuck the press, we don't read the papers, we don't pay attention to that shit, they're lying. They say that because they, they want you to think that they're immune uh, to what people say and feel and think. And the reality is, as human beings, yes, we shouldn't give a shit what haters say. We shouldn't give a shit or feed the fire to, to negative opposition. But we do because we're human. And, and, and while we all want to be liked and we, we understand the reality that we all can't be liked... Um, we got egos. We're sensitive. And, 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 you know, when a motherfucker talks shit, it's hard to hold back. It's hard. Dude, it, I'm just, I, have, I still have a hard time believing it's 100%. And the reason, no, it is, dog. But it really is. There, there, there was a video that was out where, he, where you see uh, Rappaport go up to Durant, and he's like, yo, man, you know, those, you know, and they're talking about the seats. <laughs> and he goes, you know, I had an Uber over here. You know, you might want to maybe cover the Uber. Mm. I can't believe I, I just don't believe that that he would actually say that after he, Michael Rappaport is a New Yorker and 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 and, and Michael Rappaport lets his lets his nuts hang. Well, he said I flew all the way out here. I came. The tickets were you know I'm used to be. I need to. He's what do we say? He needs to have splinters in his feet. I need to have mm. splinters on my shoes. He wants to be on the floor. You know, and, 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 you know, I was in you know basically in the regular seats. He said like like six row or something like that. And then he goes. Uh, and then you know, and then I had to I had to take an Uber. You know, you know, maybe you could you know reimburse me for that. I can't. Was it jokey? I felt it was had to be a joke. But see, that's what I'm saying. Mike's personality and a New Yorker's personality, that kind of sarcasm, that kind of banter, could be a joke. But it's also partly nigga. This how we feel. Um, I did. You, I don't know if you saw the latest clip. Uh, TMZ, it was it, it went viral. It's on Shade Room, where Mike is really he's apologizing. He, he's going, yo, I, it got out of hand. It was blown out of proportion. Uh, but when you say you're gonna spit on me and my wife, those are threats, and I don't take kindly to that. So I think it's very real. And the NBA wouldn't find them if it wasn't. My question to you is, <clears throat> and because this is not the first time, I, I, when I was on Twitter. Yo, Kevin Durant, like me, 
battles niggas. Yeah. Regular Joes. Yeah. That, but and when people talk shit to him, he responds. That's why he has a big following. So is he overly sensitive? I don't know. I mean, if he goes back at people, I, I, I don't know. We're living in a world where not, you're not supposed to go back at people. Someone comes at you on your space and says something about you, and you don't, you know, I was talking to Tara about this. It, it seems like everybody has the right to say something to you, but you don't have the right to respond anymore. I love that Mike Tyson quote. Uh, social media has given too many people uh, the false ability to believe they can say whatever you want to someone without the consequences of getting punched in the face. Yeah. And obviously, given who it is, you ain't going to say nothing, just the fact that it's Mike Tyson. And he might punch you in the fucking face. He might pay to find you and come over and punch you in the face. Right. Um, But everybody ain't Mike Tyson. And most people ain't going to punch you in the face. So there's a certain comfort level that uh, people have. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something. It, not only is it a comfort level, it's a little bit of a coward level because so many people that do talk shit to you, when they get in your face, they don't want to say nothing because it's easier to throw darts behind a protected building and in, in, in a protective space. But it takes balls, man. Whether you think you're going to get punched in your face or not, it takes balls. At that moment, you have to look in the mirror and go, am I really going to be an asshole? Am I really going to be a dick and say some shit to this person to their face? Because now they have a chance to respond. And you can feel it. You can see it. You can hear it. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I should say this this way, but I'm, I, I don't think there's any other way for me to put this. And I'm not advocating for what I'm about to say to happen. But this is the truth. Um, social media is like when people used to drive in their car. And when you drive in your car, you're in your bubble. So when you're mad at someone, you might flip them off. You might right. say some shit. You might right. never expecting that bubble to connect with your bubble. But right. we saw in, in past years uh, that eventually someone just didn't take it, and they snapped, and they shot people in their car. Right. Uh, because that <laughs> bubble wasn't what they thought it was. Well, right. social media is kind of that same bubble. You're in your bubble. You're in your house. They can flip you off. And- you, you, you feel safe. So, right. you, 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 you know, it's not visual, but it's verbal. And someday, someone is going to be overly heated. You're going to open up the door. Who is it? And you're going to hear. Your bubble, motherfucker. <laughs> and it's done. Right. And, and then when enough of that happens. And I'm right. not, I'm like, again, I'm not advocating for this to happen. Right. I'm just saying what the reality and, and within time and within heated moments and aggravation and the way things happen and, and how strong that media is now. Right. Someone's going to lose it. Yeah. And people will start thinking about what they post and how they say things and how they attack people online when that starts happening. Because then you got to, you got to, you know. Th- I, I guarantee you there's people who used to drive down the road flipping people off, yelling, screaming, cursing out motherfuckers, and now they're like, yeah, well, you know, you just can't do that anymore. Yeah, and you, and you can't do it when you, like you said, in your bubble, and when someone pops your bubble, you go from talking shit to, okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Dude, there was a clip I saw, speaking of Mike Tyson, where he was somewhere, and he was taking pictures and shit. And this is how you know Mike's a change guy. 
he's taking this one picture with someone, and some asshole is inches from him, and he starts grabbing his ear, and he's going, my ear, Mike Tyson, he bites people's ears, my ear. And they cut to Mike's face, and Mike just shot this motherfucker a look while posing with this person for the picture. And, you, and it was in that moment you went, yeah, he's changed now. Because that look was, nigga, if this was five years ago, your ass would be bleeding. I would rape you. I would fuck you up. And I'm just like, you know, the gall, man, or the stupidity, or both. I, I just don't understand people. I don't I, understand. Yeah, I just, dude, I remember one time um, <laughs> when I was attempting to work out. Uh, I was going to 24-hour fitness, and this fucking douchebag, as I was walking past him, he turned and he said some wild shit to me, just disrespectful shit to me. And I turned around, and I kind of almost walked him down and said, what? And, and as I was talking to him, he quickly got in his car, rolled his window halfway down, said some more shit, and sped off. And, you know, I, I, you know like you said, people, like, just, what do you get out of that? What do you get out of, of, of being an asshole? I don't understand. Well, just to, and just to reiterate what you're saying, obviously, you know, people think when you become, when you become famous that... You're immune? Well, and it, it, you owe it to people to be... Right. To let them have a little extra space with you because you're not famous without the people knowing who you are. Well, you come into my living room every night. I watch you on TV, so therefore you owe me. But I was walking. I remember the first time we went to Vegas, and we we're walking down the street, and you're, and I was like, "Why is Aries so stern?" You know, like sometimes, why do you walk down the street so, like, with that you know ice cube face on? Yay, yay! And we're walking down, and some dude goes, "This dude just goes, Aries Spears," and you just went, "What's up?" You know, and he, he walked past you, and then he ran back over and like tried to jump on top of you and grab you, like to give you a hug. Right. And I was like, and you just, you, you grabbed him and you just kind of pushed him off. And I go, what? And I looked at you afterwards. I go, does that happen? You, you go, sometimes. And I was like. And that's why I look like that. Yeah. And that's when I figured it out. That's because it just like a woman, a woman sometimes has to give you that. And it's unfair sometimes because not every dude deserves that. For the dudes that approach a woman the right way, say the right things, respectful, gentleman-like. Not saying that even if he does all of that, you owe him anything, but you don't respond like an ice cold bitch if a dude is being gentlemanlike and doing everything right. Say graciously, thank you, or no, not interested, but don't make him feel like shit because that means it's going to make it harder for him to talk to the next bad bitch. So it's like, I don't, I don't want to treat every fan like that, but because I've had those experiences... Yeah, I'm giving you the ice grill. I'm giving you the ice cube face. So at least you can go, well, let me think about what How I'm about I wanted to do yeah. before I do this. So yeah, man. I told you, I know fame for a dude. It's like being a pretty bitch. I know what you hoes go through. Um, this Tina Turner doc. What's love got to do? Got to do with it. If y'all haven't seen it, it's on HBO. It's two hours long. Um, fucking fantastic. It really was good. Um, you know a lot of this already, but the way it was told in the documentary, mm-hmm. it was better. Did it, you think it veered 
completely away from the movie or it was close? I don't think it veered completely away. I think it was more honest, and you felt it because it came from, from her. her. Right. Um, I got to say, first of all, let me start with the compliment. You know, it's funny, like in music, it's maybe more so now, there's so many people that sound the same, especially in rap. But it felt like Tina was part of that era where to be special, you had to be special. And her voice was so uniquely different. When you think, when you think about all the female singers uh, from that era, of course, I think Whitney Houston is, is the queen in terms of power, in terms of delivery. No one matches Whitney. She's the queen. She's Jordan. She's technique is perfect. Yes. Sound, everything about it. Now, different sounds can go Shaka Khan. You can go Patti LaBelle. You can go Anita Baker. They all uniquely sound different in delivery. But Tina's voice, to me, she was like, and I hope this doesn't come off like a slight, like a female James Brown. Like James had a a, a grittiness, like a, you ain't never heard that before. For a female, not that she sounded like a dude, but she had a... Mm. With her delivery. Well, I mean, it has been said that she sang like a man. Yeah, okay. You know? Well, then, yeah. Not that she sounded like a man. She sang like right. a man. There was a different, there was an umph, there was a... Uh, like a power. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Whitney had power, but it was still very feminine, beautiful. And no better example of that to me is Proud Mary with Tina Turner. Yeah. Keep on turning. Proud Mary, keep and then once it's like that bitch's shit was, mm. and and the energy that went into it because women remember think about women at that time stood in they didn't they weren't dancing like that no and, and that again James Brown yeah that nigga had to lose weight every time he danced so yeah you know it there there was an energy there was this yeah. She she was definitely unique. To 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 this day, there hasn't been anything. I I can't think of anybody. No, no. And when you even say that, power though, Aretha Franklin had power. Yeah, too. I slap me for not mentioning her, uh, Queen of Soul. Um, but but when you go to this day, there hasn't been any. Let me take it. Look for like Michael Jackson. You know how many young niggas owe Michael Jackson a check. Omarion, Marcus Houston, Justin Timberlake, Chris Brown, Usher. So much of what you see in them was Michael. When you look at Whitney, whether it's Mariah Carey, Christina Aguilera, all Whitney. The the, the riffs, the, the highs, the lows. You're right, Tina Turner. I don't know who today sounds like that. Sings like a man. That gritty, that rough. I don't know who that is today. I'm really seriously just thinking, trying to go through my head of everybody that I've heard in the last. Right. I almost want to say, but no, I almost want to say Amy Winehouse. But Amy was her own unique voice. But not nothing like Tina, though. No, it didn't. And not that kind of power. No. Not that kind of gritty background. 
No, you know, range-wise, I mean, Adele has a sound. But Adele but, sounds but, but, elegant. But it, yes, it doesn't have that rawness. And, I, you know, I think that's the word that separates it. Whitney and all those other singers, elegant. I don't know that Tina comes off elegant. She comes off raw. rainy, raw. It's muddy outside. It's gray. It's ugly. But there's a beauty in that. Yeah. But that was, that was the thing. That's, that's the... I don't want to say what I was going to say because it's wrong. Uh, Wrong in terms of it's the wrong thing to say or wrong because it's not right? Like in terms of, no, that's not the right. Yeah, no, it's not the right analogy. I'm not putting it right. Uh, But that that is the the feel. that She created a feeling, a sense that you got. I don't, I I can't think of someone else who. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. And, And even when they were talking about Eventually, because of what's love got to do with it, she became a pop star in a sense. But she really wanted to do rock, right? And she and black women, women, period, at that time weren't fucking with rock, let alone a black woman. Not like that. They were, yeah, right. But what I loved about it is she didn't want to do that song because it was written as a pop song. And dude, let me tell you something. I always it always tickles my feet, dude, when you learn the origin of. What was the hit? What was the thing? Because it always feels like, wow, that was it. That should have been a no-brainer. I'm sure that came together easy. And the stories are always similar in, it almost didn't happen. So-and-so didn't like it. They thought it was trash. And what you think is trash ends up being gold. Like when we we watch the Bee Gees, hearing how those guys... Hearing how that bass line came And then they invented that And they put it with this And the magic of the process When it comes together And you see the final product And you go It makes you have a deeper appreciation Because you're going Wow, they didn't like that And that's the thing that made them So her going I hated it But then when you see it and I remember being a kid in the 80s and that shot of her coming out of the subway station. Do, 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 Oh, what's love got to do? And I was in the bed when I saw this. And I'm on my back, nigga. My whole torso is, I'm rocking. I'm like, yo, that, if she didn't go through with that, she might not be Tina Turner. She still might be anime bullet. Yeah, but you know what? I, I, I know, and when you watch this, I, and it is very telling, and this is where the things that you don't get in the movie, that it was the same. Like, the, Tina and Ike, that, that whole thing was, like, it was the same sound. It wasn't allowing her to, to move out of what they were Which doing. Which Phil Spector yeah. said, we don't need you, Ike, because this is something different. Yeah. And, they, and when it didn't work, I remember Kurt Loder was like, I was ashamed to be an American. That this did not work in America. Yeah, it was a hit song in many other places. Right. But it couldn't get airtime. And, 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 and Ike was almost gloating. And did you see her face? Yeah. Like she was trapped between what was clearly in her face, disappointment, frustration, and fear. Because she couldn't say anything at that moment. But, but let me ask you this question. And I'm, I might be completely off. When you think of Tina Turner, do you think of what's love got to do with it? Or do you think of Proud Mary? Both. 
See, I think one is Batman and one is Bruce Wayne. Yeah, but I but think they're the same. But I think a proud Mary because that song. I think a hundred years from now, that song will still be around. I know love got to do with it has uh, that 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 that. It was that eighties song that hit. Right. I don't think but it, proud Mary is classic. Classic. I think that's forever. You might be right, I, and and that's why I'm saying I, I it's needed, but. It's needed so that she has that superstardom, so that she could sell. Did you see her? Was she one hundred eighty thousand? Hey, nothing. Listen, if there's nothing that should inspire you more, or bring tears to you more, is knowing it can happen. And when she said that she wanted to sell out a stadium, and saw herself in stadiums, and she did it. That's inspiration, man. Restaurants to stadiums, man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So that being said, uh, I there is a lot more that you learn from this, but the thing that I really, I walked away sad though, man. I walked away even though I mean she's overcome, she's got to this point. Mm-hmm. When when she starts off at the beginning, said I had a sad life. Right. I don't think that. I don't think that even though she has success and she has person that she's with and everything is together mm-hmm. i don't think it makes up for everything that she went through no and and listen i, I felt that though i felt right. that from her I, I can't speak on uh one's pain uh and i mean you know hopefully knock on wood i never experienced a level of pain even though we all experience some pain in one form or another and go through trials and tribulations uh, when you talk about unimaginable pain, um, I can't speak on other people's pain. I would like to think, and maybe this is me being naive because I haven't been through that kind of pain, that somewhere along the way as you get rewarded in life for your accomplishments and you reach a certain level in stature, not that it makes up for it, but it's almost life's apology. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry for that. But here's this. I, I think, though, to this day, she hasn't fully accepted the apology. You might be right. I mean, because, look, whenever they showed where people were interviewing her and they wanted to keep bringing that up. Yeah. And you saw her frustration and she would reiterate, that was the past. Can we move on? I'm trying to celebrate the future. Maybe because some people won't let you escape it. Yeah. It creates a certain sense of bitterness or uh, animosity. And to have to relive it, even though you never really escape it, even if no one brings it up. Or it was her, in, and it might have just been the inability to actually let it go. She might have had that, and when you brought it up, it brought you right back to the same place, because she was never able to um, deal with it in a way that she could compartmentalize it and say, okay, that was, that was part of my past. Every time, Sometimes when somebody brings up your past, you can say you, you you could go you can move on you could talk about it you could go through it because it's your past you've dealt with it you've removed it from how right. it affects your soul right it seemed like not that it was there but I mean from the moment you're born to have these issues and dude uh, this, the section with her when she talks about her mom and her mom left and then she and that I think the I part had that where in you, one of my notes that's fucked up. You expecting your mom to come back, and you're always waiting for your mom. And she said, uh, "My mother loved my success, but didn't love me." How fucked up is that? And and 
not only that, Tina didn't harbor that as resentment and go, well, then fuck you too. She said, I bought my mom a house, several cars. Why? Because she's my mom. And you know, just on general principle, you you feel like you, you would you take care of your mother or your father if they didn't love you and they're there for the good times now? Would you would you you know what I mean? Just because well, it's mom, so it's dad, so on principle I have to. Or would you be like fuck you? Um, I you know I'm petty, so I'd say fuck you, but. Again, when we compared her to James Brown, also similar. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, it's one thing that you might feel like your mom only loves your success and doesn't love you. But when mm-hmm. you saw the interviews that they show in the, in the documentary, mm-hmm. you know that she, what she's saying is true. Her mom doesn't feel. I, I didn't. Yeah, you didn't get that sense that her mother cared. No, she was there because there was success. But still, when she talks about it, I, I, when she talks about, I, I, I understood why my mom left, but I always thought she'd come back for us, for me. Right. And the way she says it, and the reason I, I felt her pain, and the reason I say I didn't get over this documentary, I'm still not over it. She wasn't talking to you as the older woman in that interview that had matured and experienced life, and that was her mom, and you know, disappointment that her mom, she was talking to you like the little girl who was still waiting for her mom. Listen, that tied into her belief in, I didn't want to leave Ike because she knows what it's like to be abandoned. Yeah. So she didn't want to, she made that commitment that she was going to leave him. Right. Um, and let me say, man, and I've mentioned this on the pod, uh, and Andy and I kind of talked about this a little bit last night at the bar we were at. And this is one of those, again, Floor Creek conversation moments uh, because there's no way in a million gazillion years I would ever condone violence against women. Why? Because like I said, when I was growing up as a kid, my pops used to hit my mother. Um, And I know that terror of being a child and hearing your mother scream and hearing pain and you are defenseless and can't do a goddamn thing because, of course, as a kid, your father's a bear. This nigga's an animal. You know, he's bigger than you, taller than you, stronger than you, bass in his voice. And, and again, I get this from my pops completely. When I get upset, and Andy, you've heard me scream on niggas. When I get upset, nigga, it's, I go there. Yeah. So... And when you were a little kid, too, don't forget, and I think this is important to add to what you just said, our upbringing, our time in life where we were, we also lived in, we didn't live in our mom's house. We lived in our dad's house. Dad made you know that this was my house. Well, my father wasn't moving. He didn't move in with us till I was uh, damn near in middle school. Uh, so for most of my upbringing, okay. my mother and father didn't live together. Okay, so that and when, is and when he and when he did come over, spend the night, there were moments when they fought. Um, and I remember in the documentary, uh, the one her one son describes the moment where he goes, uh, he poured scalding hot coffee on her, yeah. and I heard her screams from the room. And from that moment forward, and he specifically said, "I hated that man." I hated that man. And again, 
So I'm, let me say, I'm not condoning shit. I'm just going, trying to understand the psyche of a dude like this. Because any man that hits a woman obviously has internal issues. Obviously has shit that was happening in his upbringing where he thought that was okay. Because if your father is teaching you properly and your mother's teaching you properly, both of them are teaching you it's wrong to hit women. So somewhere in his upbringing, someone missed that assignment or he witnessed it and thought it was okay. But I'm also going, now this is the floor creek part. I'm not condoning. But I also think when you come up at a time, particularly as a black man, where you're made to feel like you ain't shit. The world, and I'm the world, I'm meaning, you know, the world, the white world. That, and at that time, come on, man, 50s, this was a white man's world. It still is to a degree depending on who you talk to. But let me not get too far away. But to, to have that pressure of feeling like you ain't shit as a man and as a black man and then seeing People say the reason for your success or the star is now your woman, your black woman. She has some sort of brain or power over you. You understand what I'm saying? The psyche of, of what, and, and, I, and it makes me nervous to say this because I don't want to make him seem like the victim because she was the victim. I don't want to make him seem, I'm not, I don't want to make an excuse but but when you add that into the gumbo mix, damn, the world make me feel like I ain't shit. White people make me feel like I ain't shit. Now my woman is better than me. You understand what I'm trying to get at? Yeah. Like, like, I, you, know. you understood why the button got pushed. You're not condoning pushing the button. Yes. 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 I'm not making excuses for this cocksucker. Because he was, and, and some of the way she described some of those moments that when it's, you said the thing about beating it with a horseshoe, nigga. Do they even make horseshoes now? But I, when I came up, horseshoes was a thing. That shit's heavy. Yeah, well, they make them for horses. So they still have to have But them. no, the, the thing, the thing, no, no, that's not what she meant. The, the thing you used to put in your shoe to stretch oh, yeah, 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 your the shoes. Shoe stre- yeah, yeah, they shoe still make stretchers. Yeah. They still make those? Yeah, yeah those are heavy. when I was a kid, those are yeah. heavy. And she would go, and there weren't the plastic ones, like a lot of places. Yes. This is the wooden ones. Yes. Yeah. And then, and, then, and then she would go, my body would be swollen, and then he would want to have sex with me. So on top of physical pain, when you swell up, and I know because I'm, you know, <clears throat> my mother used to whip us with extension cords. When, you, uh, when your skin is raw and tender, any touch, you, breathe, you blow on that motherfucker. It hurt. So now you... Jamming your body on her with that, so I'm not making excuses for the motherfucker because he was foul, man. But uh, yeah, it's almost like those specials you see where it's like trying to get into the mind of a serial killer. Why they do what they do? Yeah, you're not giving them a pass. Doning anything, you just want to go. What the fuck makes you tick like this? So, but and again. I like how you said Floor Creek conversation. Where are you in? And this is why I said I never got over. 
I still haven't got over this this documentary is because where are you in life that someone could abuse you like that? And the commitment that you made, I'll never leave you, is so important to you because of your how you feel that how you've been left that you would you could endure that. And again, that's not on her. Again, right. like you just said, I'm talking about that commitment issue that you've been left and, and, and you feel so empty that that isn't enough to make you go, I'm out of here. Dude, you ever accidentally stub your toe? Yeah. The pain of that. And to think, how much of that do you need to feel before you go, fuck this? So when you talk about a commitment, you're putting one over the other. You'd rather endure a stub toe times 50 than the relief of get the fuck out of there. Because of some mental commitment? You know. But when she was ready to go. And that's the other thing. As I wane on my belief in religion, Buddhism must be some powerful shit. No home yo rengengo. Whatever that is to make you go. Yeah, I found my inner peace to make me go, bitch, leave. That must be some powerful shit. And, and my question then becomes, even without it, at some point, don't you just, isn't there something in you that clicks to go, get the fuck out of here. It's time. There, there has to be a moment where your life, the self-preservation of yourself means enough. But, to, to, but the way she left, to, to just go, no, I'm not taking I just need my name. Right. And then. But that was brilliant. And when, you, you know, that's, that, that, the name is the, yeah. the secret sauce. Because you can build on the name. So that was that was. But what they didn't tell you in the movie when we watched the movie is that Ike was such a fucking bad, such a piece of shit. He doesn't pay the bills, and because she kept the name, those that's on her too. She's paying all the bills after she leaves. Hey man, there's a reason why that phrase exists. Niggas ain't shit. He was he was the epitome of that phrase. But dude, and again, let's not go back. Uh, like again, when we as we go back, not justifying anything this is the man who is credited industry-wise as one of the people who started rock and roll but who knows that yeah i mean look he was inducted into the hall of fame yeah but by rock and roll people he never got that kind of, he if you bring up his name he's known as a wife beater nothing yes. not anything else yes so take that. He has that that one song that hits, and it's credited to the the, the sax player. Right. It's not. It's credited to him. His life was all misses, and it, like, and I'm not again, not an excuse. But when you live yeah. a life where you just don't, how, why, why, who's keeping me back? I, I, again, you know, I I I I I once said. Um, Life to me is like a casino, and everybody's dealt a hand. The goal is to beat the house. But the reality is, most of us just get to enjoy the free liquor in the buffet. Very few people beat the fucking house. Yeah. And you want to believe and think, you know, with all the positivity and mantras, that you can win. And listen, we don't know everybody's individual personal journey. Maybe you don't win because you fucked up. You, something you just ain't doing. Or, that's life, man. You just got a bad fucking hand. Like some people just, 
have a string of nothing but great luck and good shit happens to them and other people just fuck. I love that line in 48 Hours when Eddie Murphy goes, if, if, if shit was worth something, poor people be born with no assholes. <laughs> like, it just, this is life, man. And again, no excuses, but damn, nigga. Damn. But, you know, but you, we, we say that, and we talk about life. And, and you made that analogy. And someone else made it talk to me about gambling. And when you play blackjack, you know, you got to wait for that right shoe. And when right. you get that right shoe, then you start going all in. You just play a little, you play a little, you play a little. And you win a little, you go a little. But when, once, once the cards start falling, you got to be ready to hit. You got to be ready to go. She, she had a lot of bad shoes. Yeah. But when, she, when it, that moment struck. Right. She, I. I don't know. And the reason I'm saying this, after listening to her story, I don't know that I would have had the energy to make it. After that? Yeah. But you have to. What else are you going to do? Because if you don't, not like she was rich when she left Ike, but then now you're in trouble. You got to live. I know. But she's just, she's doing those, she's doing the small gigs. She's just paying Mm -hmm. the bills. I mean, I don't have. I don't think I have. I don't have that much belief in myself now, as is to the, at this moment. That she went, okay, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. She risked it all. Yeah. You know, and speaking of the mind, the psyche of a guy like I, I almost want to get into the psyche of crazy bitches because he got pussy after that. He had girlfriends after the divorce. Women, knowing what you know, what is the allure? Is there some women out there to go, ooh, the thought of him slapping the shit out of me and having my saliva shoot out my mouth and hit the wall makes my pussy wet. What, what do some women be thinking? Dude, all those, all those murderers on death row have women that write them. Dude, what the fuck? My, and here's how fucking fucked up life is. Well, then, and again, I ain't saying... No matter how crazy or stupid a bitch, stupid a, a bitch is, again, I'm not condoning violence against women, but to the crazy bitches that want to fuck Ted Bundy and get fucked by Richard Ramirez, date Ike. <laughs> date that nigga. He might slap some sense into you. <laughs> what the fuck is you doing? Well, they ain't gonna date him because he's not alive, but. Uh... That was that was the that was another part in the documentary. That, that, you know, even at death, even though she said, you know, I couldn't forgive him a lot, but I, I don't think. Even though she, I, I think she said that, you know, she's come to terms with. It. I don't think there's ever forgiveness for her. I really feel like this woman, and this is when we talk about like making it and being successful and having these things, is is, and never though feeling that. That wholeness, mm-hmm. it's it scares me to watch her that her story. It it scares me to know that. I she, mean, it, it it it's scary, but it's also rewarding because, like I said, she got she through. got the apology. Yeah, um, she gets through to the other side. My last note on this, um, that that record executive that called her a douchebag nigga bitch or douchebag nigga, yeah, dude, and he was a record executive. Just from a racial standpoint, 
do you see how fucking crazy that is and how unfair that is in terms of the obstacles black people had to go through? Because just like we go, dude, they're among us. Cops, lawyers, judges, politicians, racist motherfuckers. What chance does a nigga have? And as hard as it is to make it in, in life and in the music biz, behind the scenes, you got a dude who was on caught on, on tape saying, nigga douchebag. And he is the guy that may hold the keys to your dreams. What, you know, it's being, that being said, it's almost better that you know that that guy is who that guy is because that's allowed you to move away from that dude. That the it's 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 this racism that's hidden in silence that I think is 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 the scariest part. Mm. Because when it's hidden in silence, and that's why I don't like political correctness. That's why I don't like teaching people how to be correct because it also teaches the incorrect how to hide. Right. And that's scary to me. That that that, and you just said knowing that they're amongst us, but not knowing who they, they are. are. Right. That's that's like I know you're in the house alone. <laughs> right, right. That's some scary shit. Yeah, because you know that they're there. Right. You just don't know where. Where, and you don't know which room to go to, where to walk, how to get. No. So black people, we live in in a horror movie. You're living in, they, we know you're on the house alone. Um, City on a Hill, season two, episode one. You saw it? No. I, I did. I don't really have but two notes on it. I, you know, I didn't think we were going to talk about it, and I, and I was going to watch it, and then I was like, I, I, I want to do the same thing I did with... Uh, well, you, well you, was, you, you said I should at least watch the first one. Yeah, but I want to watch two. I want to watch one. Two episodes. Yeah, that, I'm waiting oh. so I can get two so I can watch. Because if, if, and I don't know, you're going to tell me, if it leaves off on a good place, I'm going to be, I was going to be like, well, I'll watch two. So I'm waiting for the, I was going to wait for this weekend. It, it, it left off where they all leave off, which you wanting more. Yeah, so that's why I wanted to. Right. Because um, I'm starting to like it now. I don't want to get, right. and, and if they did, and the other part was, if they set up the season and they didn't give me something, I wanted the next episode to the kind I get into. So that's why I was well, like, I'm going to go for two. what I was a little bothered by, which was one of my two notes. Um, so spoiler alert to you. It won't bother me. Um, they changed the daughter. Oh, they did? Yeah, they cast a different girl. And, and I don't, obviously there was some issues. Um I like that first girl, and I guess it's kind of maybe good and bad because, listen, let's the little say, girl, or the girl who got the girl that got fucked up, the, their daughter, the, the daughter. Okay, yeah. Um, if we were, let's say, four seasons in with that girl, and then you replace her, I'm going fuck, man. I'm used to, but this is second season; it's still new, and they replaced her. However, of course, she's doing picking up where the girl left off. But it's, I don't know, I, you know. I like that first girl. She had a she had a real you know, wit thing about her. Yeah. This girl, it feels like she's trying to fill in shoes. So that that bothered me a little bit. And because it's early, maybe by mid season two she'll grow on she, me. Yeah. But right now it's something that I'm looking at. It's like you know, it's like a stain on a shirt. Nigga, you got mustard on your tie. You know, you lick it and get it off. Uh, but damn, nigga, I know the mustard's there. That's um, 
remember, I don't know if you'll remember, but Roseanne. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Right. And it, now in reruns, like, I get particular on which, which girl I want to see. Right. Yeah. That's like, that's like what I, another example. When we, I know I mentioned this. The, the, my movie, Major League, when they replaced Wesley with Omar Epps. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. You, you got me hooked on Wesley. Well, we can go back deeper and go to Bewitched. I, I, you were, I was a child, child. I didn't even watch that show, they but were, I know of it. Yeah, one, one season, there's, uh, I think it's Dick York, and then they replace him with Dick Sargent. They're mm. both dicks, but, <laughs> but the lead character, completely right. different dude. Just a bit outside. <laughs> um, and this is my only other note. Dude, in the, in the very opening of the show, uh, Aldish Hodge's character is talking to this young black boy who he, who's been arrested because uh, he called a black police officer house nigger. And then he goes on to tell Aldridge how basically he's a house nigger too. And Aldridge says to him, um, you know, you're smart, but you're not wise. And he goes, uh, you want to be right or you want to be happy? And then I almost turned the TV off because I went, these niggas is talking to me. That shit went right through me. And, it was, and, and the first part, and he said it in, in the opposite order. He says to the kid, you want to be right or you want to be happy. And I went, mm. But when he said, you're smart, but you're not wise. And I wish I could remember the example that he used before he made that phrase. Because he said, in a sense, you're smart for it. You have the ability to be smart in terms of what you were thinking. But in terms of what you did, you're not wise. And that's the part that I went, these niggas is talking to me. Because, again, there's no secret. And I'm not, you know, being vain or braggadocious. But I have moments of genius, nigga. I'm not a dumb motherfucker. I'm an intelligent nigga. But I do a lot of dumb shit. So I'm going, I'm smart. But Aries, are you wise? And I just was like, fuck. I'm going through something right now. And I'm, I'm in that. It, it's not a big deal. I'm just, we're, Tara and I were trying to buy a, a, a condo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm being dealt with in a way that they were trying to be a little shady. Right. So I'm at the point now where I have all the facts and I can do something. But the thing that would be the wise thing to do, mm-hmm. and that would make my life, I'd be happy and everything would work best, is the thing that doesn't give me the satisfaction that I want. Like, I want retribution for, for you treating me like this. Right, like this. right, right. And it, it's so funny because this is, this is, we all live this in our lives where we, we're given a set of choices, you know, A, B, and C. And they're all choices that fit the scenario that you're going through. Right. But one, A is going to lead you to a great place. C is going to lead you right back to where you were, and B could fuck you. And I don't know why we make those mistakes sometimes and, and not go with the thing that is best for us. Perfect. When you bring that up, makes me think of that scene in um, Heat with De Niro and Pacino. Part of the crew is dead. Uh, part of the crew is getting arrested. 
um, De Niro, Val Kilmer's character, you got the sense, got away because Ashley Judd tipped him off. But for the most part, De Niro's in the clear. He's got the woman that he wants. He's got the money. Um, and even though the woman was upset with him when she found out who he was and what he did, and she was going to leave him, but she loves him, so she's going to go away with him. And as he's driving, he knows where the dude is that he wants to fuck up, that fucked the, that fucked the whole thing up. And you see him on the freeway, and he comes to that fork in the road. Do you keep going and get away scot-free, or do you go back and get this dude? And essentially we know he goes back to get the dude, which ultimately leads to his demise. So to your point, so often we know what to do. But whatever that is inside of us that keeps us from being wise, we're still smart, but we make the decision that keeps us from being wise. Another great quote when we talked about it, um, devil's advocate. Uh, No, set of a woman. When Pacino in the big famous hoo-ah speech. (laughs) And he says to the dude, I've come to the crossroads in my life. I knew what was right, but I didn't choose because it was too damn hard. We all know what to do. We all know that eating right and working out is better, but it's too hard. We all know that, you know, doing the right thing is the way to go. But sometimes it's hard. And, now, and I'm bring up one more example because now they're all coming to me. That great scene in, in fucking Seven with uh, you know, Pitt and Morgan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. they're in the bar. And, and, and Morgan says, you know, it's easier to get lost in alcohol and drugs than deal with your problems. It's easier to beat a child than it is to raise it. So we all come to these things that make us go, you know what, the, unless you're just a fucking idiot, you know what the right thing is. It's just too hard. You know, you're supposed to fuck with a rubber on, but it's hard and you're hard. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to be the, that that's what we go through. That, that's when we emotionally can detach and become the wise. Right. When we can be water. Be water. Be wise. All right. Uh, we got eight minutes left. Let's quickly jump into um, Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, because I wanted you to watch this. Yes. Were you happy that it... I was up until a point. Um, Wait, how many episodes you watch? Did you watch two? Them? You watch both of them. Okay. Yeah. Is this a joke? Is the Are they purposely trying to be funny? Or is this... Captain America dude real. No, he's real. I can't stand this motherfucker. Do you know who he is? No. You don't know? You mean the actor? Yeah. No. It's Kurt Russell's son. Ooh, something happened. (laughs) Something happened, nigga. No, there's a moment when he does something. No, somebody dropped the glass, nigga. (laughs) Clean up on aisle four. Kurt Russell's a good-looking dude. He's... Dude, when he has on the Captain America The very first scene? Nigga, that mouth. You know, he looks like he... Honestly, in that first scene, I thought it was like one of those children of the corn people. Nigga, um... But 
then there's other scenes where he looks no and here's the problem first of all when he has on the is it a cow can you call that a cow I don't know like the Batman cow yeah okay yeah that nigga's got senior citizen mouth (laughs) he does he does he look like he's all gums nigga and no teeth that's problem number one number two dude you're following behind Chris Evans that's a tough act to follow. Like, no homo. But Chris Evans is good looking. Like Affleck with Batman. He's got the jaw. He, he's good looking. He's sexy. Nigga, on, on Avengers Infinity War, him with the beard, you could hear the bitches creaming. Cut to this nigga. But isn't that kind of the point, though? Because this is someone who's trying to replace... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is it a, is it, so I'm going creatively. Is, is this a joke? Or are they trying to say something like this is real? There's some other scenes where he doesn't look horrible. Nigga, nah, man. I recognize him being Kurt Russell Sunrise. I, 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 stopped, I stopped and went to IMDb and, and looked it up. And I was like, oh, that's Kurt Russell's kid. Nigga. Uh, the first episode, I, I tried to say it felt like a, a movie version. It didn't feel like it was a... Uh, a series. Speaking of which, I'm going. Do you think either one of those characters, Falcon or Winter Soldier, are strong enough to be in a movie to hold their own theatrical release? A series. I don't think so. I think the series is perfect for him. I think the series, but not theater. I, I don't know that they would. Sell, I don't know that they would sell out box office. Right. Yeah. Listen, the the action in the first one, that aerial fight. Yeah, with Falcon and a yeah. helicopter. Yeah, that was dope. That's got me. I was like, this right. is going to be great. Yeah, that was that was dope. Um, but they feel like cousins, nigga. In in two though, in the second episode, they get their ass kicked, and I think that that's what makes this going to be worthwhile because we're going to see a development <laughs> of these characters. By the end of the series, I think you're you're into both of them. I don't know, dude. Like I said, Iron Man, Thor, uh, Captain America, if we were family, that's my brothers. Those are my brothers. These niggas, Winter Soldier and Falcon, feel like fourth cousins. Like, we could fuck and be all right. (laughs) Don't give up on it. I'm going to keep watching. I think think it's... And that's the thing. I want to, but... I can't stand this Captain America dude. And like I told you when we talked about the Zack Snyder shit, I'm a traditionalist. I don't like change. This nigga trying to replace Chris as Cap is a bother to me. But it's a bother to me. I think that's what's important because you don't want someone to replace Cap. I don't think anybody who's watching this wants to replace for Cap. That's this whole the Falcon doesn't want it for sure. I mm. think that that's what is going to make this work. And note to Hollywood. Can y'all please stop thinking that all niggas could be relatives just because we're black? The chick playing Sam's sister, they share no <laughs> facial features, which are remotely believable that they're brother and sister. That's like Gabrielle Union as Martin's sister in Bad Boys. Martin has specific details, nigga, in his face. The beady eyes, the ears. And Gabrielle is gorgeous, nigga. They don't look like brother and sister at all. Nigga, that'd be like 
Leslie Jones is Denzel's sister. Get the fuck out of here. After the executive from uh, Tina Turner, the, after that guy, mm-hmm. I just assumed that all the execs in Hollywood just assumed that all black families, all, all, the, all the brothers and sisters had different dads. <sighs> Nigga, yeah, it's different something. I, 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 that's the only thing I could say because you're you're 100 on the mark on it, but these exec, but execs. I'm like I'm looking at Anthony Mackey, and have you ever seen when Jimmy Kimmel does uh, mean tweets? Yeah. So I remember Anthony Mackey read one and someone, and it was described perfectly. Said Anthony Mackey looks like an aardvark. <laughs> like. like his speeches is so specific. And that chick playing his sister, fuck out of here, yo. <laughs> that took me out of it. I said, get the fuck. They look nothing alike. Um, I think there's going to be a series, though. I think the series comes together. All right. We'll check back in. All right. Uh, here we are. We're at, at that point. Um, coming up, bop, 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 is Apollo Liftoff. Uh, it's Apollo Jordan from Instagram. Here's the link. For your show and my socials, um, yeah, I'm gonna send this. Oh, you can find me at Apollo A P O L L O J R D N on all social media, and Apollo Jordan on all streaming platforms: Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. And when you look for him on the streaming platforms, Jordan again is spelled J R D N. Apollo A P O L L O J R D N. Enjoy. Galaxy surfing, I'm looking for highs. Cosmo flowing, I smoked out the ride. Chopper keep busting, defending my life. What up to God and said it ain't your time. I stuck to the pen and I stayed on my grind. Me and my baby, she right by my side. Star in my eye, now you finally mine. Star in my eye, now you finally mine. Galaxy surfing, I'm looking for highs. Cosmo flowing, I smoked out the ride. Chopper keep busting, defending my life. What up to God and said it ain't your time. I stuck to the pen and I stayed on my grind. Me and my baby, she right by my side. Star in my eye, now you finally mine. Star in my eye, now you finally mine. Again in my baby, I'm feeling you flow. Love is my armor, I glisten, I glow. Galaxy chain, yeah, my diamonds on go. Stay in my arms and I'll cancel the show. Baby, you know if you need me, I'll slide. Yeah, we some killers, no Bonnie and Clyde. You have in my spirit like Jekyll and Hyde. Source of my courage, source of my pride. I'm mirroring my jeans in my polo tight now. Come on the bus cause I'm solo right now You knew the kid was on dolo by now Always alone if you don't know my style O.R.G. Morrow, I'm born from the sound Sharing got eyes, got the plan almost out Floating through space, yeah, I'm finally found Floating through space, yeah, I'm finally found Galaxy surfing, I'm looking for highs Cosmo flowing, I smoked at the ride Chopper keep busting, defending my life What up to God and said, it ain't your time I stuck to the pen and I stayed on my grind Me and my baby, she right on my side Star in my eye, now you finally mine Star in my eye, now you finally mine Galaxy surfing, I'm looking for highs
Sur le babu.